Well, hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Monday Morning Recap. This is Pastor Matt, and just want to say that as the staff, we really loved this episode, and we had a long discussion on the topic of deconstruction. We think it's a very important and valuable conversation to have right now. So due to the length of how long this was, we decided to split it into two parts. So in this first part, we're going to talk about Mother's Day and the message on Mother's Day a little bit, and then we'll move to the deconstruction part one. And then we'll release part two just a little bit later. So the other note I just wanted to let you know is that the audio in the beginning of this, uh, it's a little bit off for the first 12 minutes. It doesn't sound totally great, but we fix it right around the 12-minute mark. We It gets better. So hope that's another reason that you tune out. Anyway, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy it. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the Monday Morning Recap. My name is Pastor Matt, and I'm here with Pastor Jamal and Pastor Todd. Good morning. I I will say from uh, being at Novation a few weeks ago, made me realize, like, oh, yeah, man, that's how you stay in touch with what's going on. (laughs) Lingo, man. All the lingo. (laughs) That's it. Did you guys have a good uh, weekend with Mother's Day? You guys do anything? have family over or see anybody or get some food wow oh talk about it testify i did hear about that and you know what's great about it it's just just not one meal because they give you so much you buy one meal but you get two (laughs) (laughs) that place is a car sometimes food like that too i don't know about juanita specifically but some places are like even better when it's reheated too like next day you have it and you're like it's so good (laughs) yeah it was lunch and dinner we get the, all right, so I'm just going to tell you what we normally get. We normally get the chimichanga and the burrito. Okay. One is chicken, one is beef, mm-hmm. and they just smother it with sauce and cheese. Yes, I guess do. one is fried and one is not, but I don't even care. No. <laughs> so we have one for lunch, one for dinner, and that's that. Mm-hmm. So. Cool. What about you, uh, Pastor Jamal? Um, we went and got pizza from a, a, a spot that my, my wife loves. Um, well, the kids really love it, but there's one particular pizza there that she really likes. It's like called a hot link, so they put like, you know, hot sausage on it. It's like hot um, tomato sauce and stuff. Um, and so we went there, and then uh, we, we rounded it out with a little cold stone. So it was a, oh. you know, respectfully. I think that Mother's Day went off uh, beautifully, and so um, yeah, kids got her some stuff, got some cards. And, Got her some like, gifts and stuff, and so it was good. I haven't been to a Cold Stone in forever. Yeah, a long time. It still slaps. Well, I'm just saying. Yeah, mm. it's the it's the one up there by Whole Foods in uh, Marlboro. A little bit. You gotta go north a little bit, and so um, that's what we, that's the one we went to. Nice. Well, that's definitely a treat. My youth pastor used to say they charge you five dollars just for a sniff. That's what. He, that's why he wouldn't go. That's what he said. I'm, listen, it's a nice treat. But it's it, worth it. You know, it's it, a nice it, treat. It, it, it is. It's like I the will say this, of ice cream. I will say, yeah, it is, in terms of like ice cream that you can get, you know, from a you know from like a regular whatever spot. Yes, they are on the higher end for sure. Um, I ain't gonna lie, it's still it still hits. It tastes yeah, it's, great. It's so. good. Plus, it's Mother's Day. You got to splurge. Yeah. You know, no, that's you know. it. That's it. Oh, yeah, we saw it. We went to my family. 
um, and I just had delicious Italian food. So I mean, it's just becoming more normal. It's just what happens every time people are at my parents' house now. Love it. Now, so, what did your mom cook for Mother's Day? She did. Look, she just wants to do that. That's she, what she wants to do. it's just what she wants to do. So yeah, they actually just made ravioli, so it wasn't like as much mm-hmm. like cooking, I guess. Right. Um, they still made the gravy or sauce or whatever, and meatballs. But that's what my mom wants, and she sent me home with some, and she's just happy to do that. Yeah, that's good. I mean, like that's probably like the thing that brings her. To see her kids, you know, coming together over her food. Yeah, like, <laughs> basically. You can't, you can't, right. Sometimes that, that's an Italian thing, man. And, and I'm now at the like, place with that. For nobody. Uh, well, no, that brings me joy now. Yeah, I, so. say, I, think it, I think it depends on the You're mom. You're like, we're all happy together. <laughs> yeah, I think it depends on the mom. You know, some moms like to see their gifts on display for their family and the joy yeah. of their family for that that brings them joy and then some moms is like yeah this house better be clean and i ain't touching a thing like i'm not lifting yeah, it. Yeah. so that's what i kind of tried to get my kids to be we we've done a couple times where we've gone out but she and she enjoys it but she just wants to be home and and cook for everybody and everybody's there you know what i realized too if you really want to maximize it's tough sometimes to get a spot at a place on mother's day but i think i've cracked the code you okay. got to go on Mother's Day. You got to go to a place that your dad would want to go to. And on Father's Day, you got to go to a place that your mom would like to go to. Because those places are usually a little more empty. You The the server is way more attentive. And there's a place that's part. You don't have to. I'm just, uh, I just but here's, the, but here's I'm, the issue, though. If on Mother's Day, I took my mom to like. We Ethan's hot dogs. Well, I'm, saying, <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I don't think she'd be thrilled. It depends. But there's depends. no way, mom. It depends on the spot. You got to peep. So, like, I told Phyllis we were driving, and I was like, "Yo, Buffalo Wild Wings is a little empty because it's Mother's Day." Oh. And she was like, "Wings does kind of sound." And oh. I'm thinking to myself, "This might be this. This might be." He's it. thinking to himself, "It's this Mother's Day be and Father's it. Day." <laughs> but. But in my mind, though, you will, like, straight up, the, the server's going to be there. They're going to be like, man, you know what? There's not a lot of people here. They can pay more attention. You get quality service in that regards. But, yeah, you got to kind of, like, bite the bullet a little bit and be like, and then on Mother's Day, you know what I'm saying? Or, excuse me, Father's Day, you know what I'm saying? Then you go to, like, you know, Olive Garden or something. Like, I don't know. Yeah. You go to, like, and then and do, do a little flippy floppy. You might, you might win that way. Now that you said. Hey, good food's good food. <laughs> now that you said Olive Garden. You've already mentioned good Italian food. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I've heard a lot of Italian people don't like olive. Well, they would hate Fazoli's if that's the case. <laughs> well, that's that is something else. <clears throat> if, if you don't know what that is, all and show me that this week. Yeah, Just Fazoli's Google real it. Italian. Think of fast or don't. food Italian or don't. <laughs> think of fast food Italian. That's what the Midwest has to offer you some places. I, I I just don't actually even like understand that. But yeah, man, it's just like just honestly, no disrespect to Fazoli's, but it's like just think of like it's if you go to a grocery store and you get like Italian TV dinners, that's what Fazoli's would probably be. Mm, well, yeah. <laughs> I I will say I'm one of the few Italians that I know that actually just don't mind Olive Garden. Like I go, I understand it's not the same, and that's fine with me if I just want to go. And usually it's not expensive, or I have a million gift cards. But uh, I will say the last couple times I've went, I've been like, yeah, okay, it's not as good. And maybe it's because I'm older and like I make my own food now or something. But that's, I, I'm like, I'm literally like everyone else I know is always like, what, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, I, I don't mind Olive Garden. But everyone's like, I don't know, whatever. But cool, let's talk about the Sunday sermon a little bit. You know, it was 
we were fortunate to have Tim and Nicole Strange, uh, missionaries to Costa Rica, Shout out. share with us. And they're awesome. They're really cool. And I got to know them a couple years ago on my first overseas trip. And uh, so it was great. You know, Tim did like a 10-minute window talking about what they do and shared some cool stories, actually. And then Nicole shared from her heart for Mother's Day. And something that I think is cool about them, too, is, you know, they're just not like they're they have such strong character and they do incredible work on the missions field well everywhere you know and like what they do it's it's the real deal but they just don't they don't uh throw that in your face you know what i mean like they're not they just let that speak for itself Mm -hmm. like he goes to these crazy places where no one else would go and he just shares jesus and he he's they're planting churches trying to make disciples passing the audio bibles like they're just doing the real work and and even when she shared from her own life experience, like she could really have parked at a few places and, and talked about just how hard it was. And she said it was hard, but she, you know what I mean? Like there's something, there's a strength that she has that she doesn't have to convince you of that. She just has it. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think that's the, the you know, the attitude of like faithfulness, you know, servanthood when you're operating from that place of just like, oh, you know what, I'm here to serve. I'm here to be faithful the work really does speak for itself and very rarely do you ever need to you know sound the alarm of the things that you're doing you know like you said the the fruit of that ministry um shows itself and especially then talking about like planting churches and um the different relationships that they've been able to build that that was you know like you said some of the stuff that she was that nicole had shared was was really amazing and i was like dang you could really like unpack some of this for real like yeah so yeah i think that um when you're operating in that place that's always amazing and it's always a blessing um and yeah kudos to them because their um their faithfulness i think really kind of like really shined i don't know shown i don't know is there i don't know the shine 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 through yeah yeah yeah, and so she, you know, she started, she shared a few thoughts, which I think were really great, and especially for moms. There's a mom afterwards that told me, oh, my gosh, so much of what she said, like, was just great for her to hear. Mm-hmm. Like, one of them being, you know, she's like, yeah, sure, it'd be nice to have an hour to read my Bible and pray. But she's like, I it, I get five minutes, like, when you have toddlers or something, like, because you surround them, you try to keep them safe and go to the bathroom for five minutes. But she's like, you know, but hey, Jesus knows that and he'll meet you where you are. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, she was just sharing from her own, you know, transparency. And Yeah, and I think um, my, my observation of Phyllis in motherhood uh, definitely resonates, you know, a lot of what Nicole was saying and, um, you know, moments and times where like, just being honest, like, uh, you know, what, honey, don't kill me. Um, like moments where she would break down because she's like, I, I want to read my Bible. I can't. I feel like I have no time for these things that I know would fuel my soul. Mm. Um, and those were some tough times. And I think a lot of moms put an unrealistic, maybe not unrealistic, maybe just a, a very hard level of like perfection on themselves to be at this level. And I think. Um, yeah, to hear Nicole say, hey, you don't have to put that type of weight and burden on yourself. Um, it's okay to, to feel like this and it's okay to not have this level of standard, you know, um, 
and know that Jesus still loves and cares for you. I thought that was really, really powerful. And I just remember those times just in those conversations with my own wife. So I really appreciated that. And I think yeah. even having her daughters there last uh, yesterday morning and hearing the testimony that, you know, of their life too as well, like to me just resonated or kind of like highlighted even more the truth of what she was saying. Like, listen, like, and she wasn't bragging. She was just saying my daughters are now in this place, you know, and it was okay. I had these moments too, you know, as a mom. Um, and I thought that was maybe reassuring. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the reality is <clears throat> there's different stages of motherhood. Yeah. You know, and, and there are times where it's like a lot more busy. And then there's other times as kids get older where you'll have more time, but then there's other worries and other stresses, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? So, you know, so if you're struggling because you're in one season of motherhood, you know, hang on because there's other seasons that come along as your kids age and have different abilities mm -hmm. and all that. So, Yeah, I think those are great thoughts and um, something, you know, she read from Titus 2 and one of the things that Nicole highlighted was like, you know, you have these desires for your kids. You want them to succeed. You want them to excel. You want them to have good grades. But she said, I think she said something like, you know, good grades aren't, that's not the end all or something like that too. It's a lot of bad people with good grades. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. I, and, and I think a lot of times when we talk about parenting and stuff, you really, it's, you want your kids to do their best with their grades and stuff, and but really what matters most in the long run is what's going on inside their heart, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and she said that, like, the I think she listed three questions for raising her kids. She says, you know, do my kids know Jesus? Do they know how to hear God's voice? And do they know to walk in obedience, you know, to God's voice? And she's like, everything else follows that, and... Again, I I thought that was a good perspective. Like my my goal is not am I protecting them, blah blah blah. It's no am I teaching them how to hear from God and to obey Him. One of the most heavy duty questions I ever heard is, "Are you brave enough to pray, God, do whatever you got to do in my kids' lives that they would know you?" Which can be a pretty hefty question because that might mean that they face some hard stuff. But if the really most important thing is that they know Him and have faith in Him then those hard things can be bad, but they can be good. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, and uh, kind of something else that she said as well was, you know, Christian living should help not hinder the spread of the gospel. Mm. And she said that in the context of motherhood. And she was talking about, you know, mothers, when we gossip, when we hold a grudge, or there's bitterness in our heart. And she, she listed a few other ones too. She was saying, you know, these things, our children see that, that affects our children, that affects our relationships. And um, she told, you know, a powerful story as well of, of a mother in Costa Rica who, a wife who extended extreme forgiveness to her husband who had an affair. Um, but she was talking about how like, you know, again, Christian living, it helps the spread of the gospel. That's what it should be doing. It's not always easy, but I, I thought that was like, it was powerful to hear her say that, you know? Yeah, and I don't think, uh, the, what I also appreciated about her message yesterday, you know, I get it, it's Mother's Day. It, I felt like what she was sharing was spiritual truths that can be, you know, 
across the board you know like even yeah. as a you know as a man right you know like I, my life should also um be lived in a manner that should um not hinder but help the spread of the gospel you know i think forgiveness is something i also should be um practicing i think you know making the altar a priority making the presence of god a priority in my children's life even as a father is also something i need to so i felt like her message was you know even though she was talking about motherhood she didn't she was talking about spiritual principles that if you call yourself a follower of jesus christ these things should be evident in your life as you lead you know your life and as you lead your household so yeah yeah and um <clears throat> she brought up to and this is the second service actually she felt like oh like god kind of put it on her heart just to talk about like a wayward child if and I, I know several people, you know, that that's their their situation right now. They feel that their son or daughter is not really in the faith or, you know, most of the times I think maybe it's apathetic, uh, sorry, apathetic. But sometimes it's it's too just a rejection of like, this isn't what I want or I don't believe this or that's for you. And so she said, I, I want to encourage you, you know, what she took. She referenced the story of the prodigal son and how the father stayed home. You know, and she's like, he still served. He did. He worked, but he knew when his son came back, he embraced him. And, you know, it was cool that she shared that feeling of prompting from God's spirit, you know, um, to say that. So I don't know if you guys want to add anything to that or not. But. No, I think that's every Christian parent's fear <laughs> is that their kids walk away from the faith and. <clears throat> and and at some point, like, we can instill, we can do our best. We don't have to be perfect parents to instill faith in our kids. That's good. Mm. Um, and there are times where we're going to, we're going to, we're going to be less than perfect. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's where prayer comes in. That's where the grace of Jesus comes in for some of those things. And, uh, you know, we just do the best we can. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and you know so i think it's a really great segue for what else we want to talk about today as well um we've had a lot of conversations in our staff actually well about many things but one of the topics that's been a lot in christian circles kind of on social media people have been talking about is this idea of deconstruction and deconstructing your faith and i think again that's a good segue because of what she said about having a wayward child and what if they don't, you know, about the faith and this and that. So, you know, we as a staff, we wanted to, like, talk about it a little bit. If you're listening, maybe you've been part of these conversations. Uh, you've kind of been looking for some direction or what other resources or what thoughts. We've had, I feel like, some really great discussion about it in our staff meetings. Uh, but also, maybe you're listening and you don't really know much about this either. So, I think we got we have a few thoughts that we'll share, some perspectives, perhaps, and then also maybe some scriptures and stuff that we can talk about too. But let's start with this. How would you guys define deconstruction? You know, it is being thrown around a lot. So whether you are familiar with these conversations or you're brand new, it's probably important that we would just kind of throw a definition out there. So I didn't look up a specific definition. So how what would you just how would you describe that? It seems like when most people talk about deconstructing their faith, they're talking about the beliefs that they've held for a long time and looking at those individually <clears throat> um, and seeing why they believe those things. Uh, unfortunately, deconstructing faith has also become synonymous with walking away from faith. 
for in a lot of cases, and especially in some very public cases of, of people who have been doing ministry, I don't think it has to mean walking away from your faith. I actually think it could be a good thing to, to look at what you believe and why you believe it. Uh, but generally speaking, from my from my understanding, deconstruction faith is, is like looking at the different things that you believe, figuring out, do you believe them yourself? Why do we believe them? Uh, and seeing where that takes you. Yeah, I think that is an element of it. I think some of the more, um, I think, I say hot button or maybe like, um, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but some of the more popular views about deconstruction has to do specifically with trauma, feeling as if there has been some sort of trauma or wrong that has come, you know, against you or against a person because of faith or because of the church specifically. Because your upbringing in it. Yeah, like a mindset maybe or like a toxicity within it. And so some people are, you know, from the school that, you know, deconstruction is has to do more with that specifically. With but, more of the idea of like deprogramming. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah, because because when you're raised in a church culture, an American church culture, um, you have a whole worldview, you have a whole way of thinking, and uh, you kind of feel like you weren't exposed to anything else. You were told to believe this, and now you're older, and you're like, wait a minute, like, uh, you know, you're questioning. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, that those are some great intro thoughts. Again, perhaps you're listening, and maybe you know somebody who's going through this, yeah, a loved one, or perhaps even yourself. You know, as we talk about some of this, you even reflect on yourself, and you say, "Well, I've thought that before. I've wondered this before." So I think it's important to talk about this. So I want to say this. I think it's important too, just to remember that in one sense, this isn't anything new. You know, for people. Well, it's not limited to people in their 20s, actually, but people 20-somethings trying to decide if they believe what their parents believe, Mm -hmm. that's been a thing for a long time. And for the last 30 years, we've been talking about how 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds have been missing in church attendance, Mm -hmm. you know? So that's not new. Um, But in another sense, it is because of what you were just saying, you know, people, when you've been raised in a church subculture, American evangelicalism or all these different things we can talk about. So you are you dealing with unique challenges. We talked about toxicity. We, you know, there's some stuff I want to add about that, like morality, uh, sex outside of marriage, like some of these things that that's been, you know, a couple decades of that. So people growing up in that culture, what they are now dealing with, that's kind of new or unique in, in that sense. <clears throat> so, you know, we've said in our staff meetings, it depends on your attitude, right? To where you're at with this. If you're the one going through this or if maybe you're not, but you know, somebody too, actually your attitude matters, but right. right, If you're coming from a place where you want to follow God, but you have tough questions and you're not finding answers, that's, well, that's a hard place to be. Yeah. But it's also another thing. If you know, you're just looking to get out of accountability, right? You know, you're kind of tired of, having a standard to live by. I want to say whatever I want to say. I don't want to feel bad about using swear words. Don't give me a hard time about that. I want to date who I want to date. It doesn't matter to me, you know, these different standards. So I'm deconstructing. That's a different attitude. Right. Right. So your attitude matters. Right. And so I think, you know, in, you know, kind of in that same vein, I, I agree. Like, I think that 
Um, you know, just being very blunt here, some of there has been a lot of um, political association on both sides when it comes to faith um, that have not been the most biblical, you know, in terms of representation. And so the idea that some of these people want to deconstruct because of those things is understandable. You know, I don't think that our faith should be tethered to a political affiliation, you know, like it, it should be tethered to the word of God, the kingdom of God. And so if you found yourself in a space and in a place where you were, for, for me, I think a lot of this comes back to fruit, tangible fruit, like people not seeing the fruit of the gospel in some of these affiliations. And so um, when people, you know, or churches, whatever, tie themselves to a political party and there is no gospel fruit there, um, I think some people had some questions as to like, wait a minute, I thought this is what we believe, or I thought the Bible teaches this. Why then are we advocating for this? Or why then are we pushing for this particular, you know, thought pattern? And you're right to kind of, you know, question those things and push back, push, push back against those things, you know, and really challenge and say, well, Jesus taught this. Why are we entertaining this? You know, um, and I listened to a podcast this week and they said similar, you know, if, I, f- I forgot what the context, but the principle is the same. If the church isn't producing the fruit that we need to be producing, people are going to go to where they are seeing that fruit. And so right. you even talk about things right now, you know, justice is, is a big deal. But so if the church isn't standing up for it or defending it or whatever, I'm going to go somewhere where it is because we're supposed to be doing that. And so that kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And so, um, I think that's a in the, so in that regards I think that that is a there is a positive here in the deconstruction uh I'll call it theory right in the deconstruction theory that you know hey man shouldn't we critically be taking a look at some of these things that we as a church um want to produce you know and how we're producing you know if we if we want to produce this type of fruit how are we going about making sure that that fruit is visible uh and you know, um, edible, you know, to the people around us, to the community, uh, in which we serve. And so, um, I think there is an idea. Um, I think we talked about it in staff about, Hey, so what, you know, what are some things that the church is kind of, you know, the church on a global scale? Hey, what are some things we are missing that we need to kind of rectify here and, uh, and correct. Um, when we talk about the church, the bride of Christ, you know, um, she's supposed to be presented uh, without spot or wrinkle. So like, That's right. you know, we need to get on top of that, make sure that those things are, are happening. Yeah. So I think <clears throat> continuing in that line of thought, I kind of divided this into two different perspectives from our staff conversations as a result. So we're already hitting on one, you know, in one sense, what are, what are some things that the church needs to get right in some sense when we're having this deconstruction conversation, what do we believe? Why do we believe it? What's our fruit? In what ways has the church or what ways can the church improve? If you want to say it that way, you know, how have they added to this that it makes sense? You know, this isn't good. So you've already hit a couple pastor Jamal, you know, specifically politically aligning politically. Um, and actually I would say, I'll just say, sorry, from my personal experience, it was just, you know, conservative and republican and that's if you're christian that's what you do 
But as I've gotten older, I've realized that there are Christian circles where it is actually the other side. Mm-hmm. Be voting Democrat, progressive, that's being Christian. Mm-hmm. So I always, from my perspective, that's the one side is Christian. But actually, like you said, it really happens on both sides. Yeah. But both are wrong because we're aligning ourselves politically versus biblically. biblically. And I'm not saying that you can't find biblical principles in a political party, in a political space. I just sure. think that um, when you put the political party as the source and the head of your faith, that is idolatry. Like yeah. that, is, that is what that yeah. is. Right. When you believe that a political party becomes your savior. Yeah, that's that's idolatry. The savior from the issues you of the can't. world, the savior from that's where it becomes like you've taken. And, and you know what? Jesus faced that, too. People wanted Jesus to rise exactly. up and be a political figure. Exactly. And he said, that's not what I'm here for. Right. I actually have that's really good. greater business to take care of. And it's my father's business. Yes. yes. Yeah. You know, so. And um, and people will use Jesus to justify their political motivations. But but that's a great point. Jesus says, no, I have I have better things to do. And oh, what was I going to add from that? Oh, along with that, too, a lot of times we make being American and being Christian synonymous. So I do want to say that doesn't mean we need to be ashamed of being American. Like, I think the realization of that, say, for me, makes me feel like, we can get in a space where we got to like demonize America now or like your American citizenship or you can't have pride in being American. I think you totally can, but, but, um, we've made that synonymous with being Christian and it's just literally not the same. So you can talk about immigration. You can talk about your opinions on the size of government without that actually being a faith issue. Well, you think you're okay with big government. Are you really a Christian? Like, you're you're talking yeah. about that's what Democrats are into. Well, okay, th- well, being Christians following Jesus. I'm talking about how how we should the systems of our government. What's effective right now? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I get nervous when I hear language where people say you aren't Christian because of you you know this thought or this thought. And the reason why I get nervous about it is because um, that to me sounds like you're it, it's condemnation. You're giving forth a judgment upon their soul and you know salvation based on you know maybe they hold this opinion and it could come from a it could come from a well-informed place it can come from a place of ignorance but the idea that you would now condemn them i think is actually a non-biblical thought right jesus Mm -hmm. tells us you know don't condemn you know what i mean like and in reality this is my personal opinion we don't have that authority like we literally do not have the authority to condemn i'm thinking about the woman caught in adultery Right. Jesus has them kind of really pinned to the wall. He's like, okay, cool. All right. um, Who here is without sin? You know what I mean? Like, you know, and and if you are, please go ahead and cast the first. But you know what? I just thought, you know, what pushback to that would be, though. You're talking about sin there. Right. Mm -hmm. And and but what Jesus also said, I think right? Jesus says, you'll know them by their fruits. So I'm not I'm not talking about condemning somebody. I'm just saying by the fruit of their life. If you vote this way, if you think this way, you must not be Christian. Right. And to me, though, that language is it is condemnation. You're, you're t- again, you're giving a judgment upon their salvation, mm-hmm. you know. And so, again, so let me go back to the story. So Jesus then sees this and goes, you know, who who here can who is here to, to judge you and condemn you? And she's like, no one. And he says, nor do I, mm-hmm. which I think is, you know, really beautiful, beautiful and on purpose because. If there is anyone who has authority to condemn, it's him. Yeah. And he chooses not to. And so 
I think I understand. I may under. I'll even say like this. I understand you may have a frustration with a belief of someone else, but I think when you start to use language like "you're not this," I, I get nervous about that. I feel like you set yourself up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that that's the so. But what is it? Uh, there's a scripture too where Jesus says, you know, like, you know, the measure you use on others, you know, mm-hmm. will be used on you. You know, like, and I think that like. We just need to be careful about that. Like, and even more so, I'm thinking of what Paul says, you know, hey, like, okay, if a brother is missing the mark here, he says you restore gently. I think the minute you say you're not a Christian, you've lost all gentleness. <laughs> you know, that that goes out the window. Yeah. yeah, and but I don't I don't think people would outright say, Oh, you're not a Christian if I think a lot of times we'd be like, Yeah, but you're a Christian. How could you? support that person well I, i've heard people say but, you're not christian he, <laughs> like that, and but, that's what i'm saying so like yeah like people have said that for sure i do th- i do think you're right pastor todd when i see more often it's that but what you mean is right right that's is you're not christian right that's because, absolutely what you here's mean the deal. but we if, just find a nicer way of saying that if the question unquote, uh, this is what nicer. i've been thinking about if the question is how could you be christian and vote for trump or how could you be christian and not vote for trump right because I, I hear both well, actually, there's a very simple answer to that question I can tell you right now. How you could be Christian and still vote for Donald Trump or how you could be Christian and choose not to. I, I, I th- There's a very – it's clear. Now, it doesn't mean that you should or sh- – I'm not saying what you should or mm-hmm. shouldn't. But if you're asking the question, how could you be Christian and also do this, I can explain right now how you can. But you're not interested in finding out how. You're not interested in understanding another perspective. You are just trying to criticize and say – well, you're not a Christian if you voted for Trump, or you're not really a Christian if you don't vote for Trump. Or, and I'm sorry, I'm not. I don't want to go all the no, way. No, down. no, but this is as an but, example. No, but that is what we do. We like to have an adversary a lot of times, mm-hmm. and so if you don't agree with where I'm standing in this, you have become my adversary instead of us simply having different things that we're using to guide our. And both things can be Christian, but maybe for you, this issue is more important. Yes. And maybe for me, this issue is more important. Both of them can be very Christian issues, but they're, but they may point us to a different, a, a different candidate or whatever because of the fact that we've prioritized things slightly different. And that, and I want to be careful saying prioritize because some people would be like, "Well, your priority should be Jesus." Well, it can be, and yet these issues still be. Or you can even I'd even say this I'd give the person in a conversation a benefit of the doubt and say. Um, maybe you're right. Maybe as a Christian, you shouldn't be prioritizing this over this. But if you're asking the question, how could you be a Christian and do this? Mm-hmm. You easily can. And and that's how. And so let's say this, so we don't get too sidetracked here. We're talking about the church. How has it affected this deconstruction conversation? Aligning ourselves politically either way and, and nationally or whatever. Yeah. So then what what is being Christian? What's Christian faith? How are you? What is a Christian? Oh, sorry. You're asking a question. I thought you were. Sorry. Oh, yeah. It's not rhetorical. Sorry. My bad. My bad. (laughs) Uh, I'm pretty sure being a Christian is all about Jesus (laughs) and about our heart towards him. And have we, I think scripture talks about if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he rose again on the third day and that you have placed your faith in him, uh, that he is sufficient uh, to take care of our sins that's what being a Christian is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really not about other stuff. Um, so, I, 
That's yeah, how, that's, no, yeah, that's it. <laughs> right. So it's about following Jesus. It's about our heart towards Him, uh, submitting to Him. Christian translates or the original word why that came from it meant little Christ. So that's what it is. You're following Christ. You're trying to be like Him. So right, it's not voting Republican or something mm-hmm. else. And I think just kind of bringing it back to like, I think when you use language where you condemn someone else's faith because they you know think like this or they think like that. I think that's just a very um, uneasy, scary place to be. And so um, I would caution against doing that. Well, and I think in Nicole Strange's words, she said, we need to, rec- you know, the way that we live can help or hinder the gospel. So if I'm saying, how can you be Christian or you're not Christian if dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. And it's in these ways. Even if, again, give you the benefit of the doubt, maybe you're correct, but you've lost that gentleness. The way I live can hinder the gospel. Right. But so what else, though, for what the church needs to get right politically, of course, but what else would we add? Would you guys add? I wrote other things here, but yeah, that, you know, we, we can improve on. Yeah, I would say, so I'm going to speak just a little honest, honestly here. Um we can get better at, you know, fielding questions, navigating questions. I I just know because, uh, I live with someone who is, I would argue my wife is probably, she's always thinking deconstructively Mm -hmm. about the church. Um, she's grown, you know, her grandfather was a pastor. Um, so she grew up in, in his church. Um, her uncle became a pastor and so when her grandfather passed and her uncle became a pastor, basically all of her family moved from grandpa's church to uncle's church. And so she's literally been in church her entire life and has seen some of the things that have not been so healthy. Yeah. You know, I think that's part of the reason why she ma- mothers our children the way that she does in regards to church. Um, she's very kind of guarded in that way uh, because she wants to make sure that what they do have is a honest and positive reflection of church and so she's very i would say um intentional about that and so but she also lives in the deconstructive kind of like mindset about okay how does this help build you know that's that's the way she's always thinking so with that i think she sometimes feels as though navigating questions or, or or throwing out questions is some somehow some way shape or form in the grand scheme of church, you know, global global picture is not always welcome. It's always like, whoa, wait a minute, you can't ask that question. Or if you do ask that question, you're like, what's wrong with you? Don't you know that it's this, you know? Yeah. Um, and she has said sometimes like, no, I don't know how it's this. No, I don't read that passage like that. Or I don't understand how you came to this conclusion based on this and this and this. Can you help me? And if your disposition as church body, you know, church leadership, is it to help yeah. your brother or your sister? Uh, yeah, I think that that's the wrong posture to have as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I was talking to a, a good friend of mine a couple of weeks ago even. He was talking about he was in a service and there was a guy and he was kind of prophesying and and it was all good news. Like, you know, I mean, it was like he, he prayed for him and he's like, I, I didn't feel like it was bad or anything. But he's like, I was just kind of sitting there like, I wonder how much of this. He just was asking some questions like, I, I don't know, like is this is he operating from god's spirit or is it because like i i I told him a couple things i was dealing with so he just prayed for me and 
he's like, I- I'm not trying to not be spiritual. Like, a- am I less spiritual because I have these questions? And I'm like, no, dude. Yeah. <laughs> but, but my whole life, same thing. I would resonate with Phyllis. That I, I feel like those are the thoughts I've had my whole life growing up in church as mm-hmm. well. But you feel, because when I've reflected on this, I don't feel that people in my life would have shut down a question like that if I asked that. Mm-hmm. But the culture is to not question that. So nobody, again, when I think of people in my life, I don't think anyone would have given me a hard time, but I was like, I'm not, I can't ask that question. That's how I felt. And so, and I think going back to the phrasing you said, Pastor Todd, about deprogramming, yes, this idea that you can't ask these questions does exist in some places, unfortunately. And that, that is true. And that, that is, is true. that yeah. is sad. Um, yeah. You know, we don't want that every year, at least for our youth ministry we do a we do a series on doubt and questions you know because mm. i want our students to know yeah man absolutely you can have these questions yes man i i get it you i don't know pastor jamal i doubt this okay well you know like we can unpack that and like i i want them to understand that god is big enough to to handle those questions and that you know you might get an answer now you may get an answer later and for some of them you may not know on this side of earth you know this side of heaven and I, and I just want them to know it's, it's okay to, to, to be in any one of those stages, any one of those phases of kind of like the faith yeah. journey. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I think <clears throat> some of that mentality of it not being okay to question stuff is actually something that's been brewing for a long time. It's not necessarily a current uh, development mm-hmm. within Christianity. And I think some of that is just because well, if you're questioning these things, then, then I, I guess my thing is, is that like strong faith does not necessarily mean that you understand everything and that things seem foreign right? Mm-hmm. because we're finite and we're trying to understand the infinite. Mm-hmm. And there are some things that are going to be challenging there are some things that that are going to be hard to understand and i think there's throughout years there has been a sense of um well if you question those things or if you say well how come science can say this and the church says this how do those things work together that the immediate assumption has been and so has grown into this mentality that that you can't trust faith and science. You can't trust your doubts because you're you're questioning what's true. So therefore, you're going to reject faith. Um, I'm kind of rambling a little bit here, but I guess my point being is I I don't think this is something new. Right. I think it's something that's developed over time, and I think the way we change that is we challenge it. And when people have questions we let them ask the questions that doesn't necessarily mean that their questions are always going to be right and be fair, but you let them ask the questions. And we see in scripture, lots of people ask questions. Yeah. Uh, you know, just trying to think and put my thoughts together before this, uh, I made a list of people. You had, um, the man who came to Jesus and he said, I believe, but help my unbelief. Yes. And Jesus did not criticize him for that. You know, yeah. You see John the Baptist, Jesus's cousin, say, should I look for another? Right. <laughs> and Jesus wasn't like, what are you, dumb? Actually, what he said was, well, look at the evidence here before yeah. you. Wow. Yeah. Right? And he still died. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean that's the yeah. reality. John the yeah. Baptist still ha- still got faith the doesn't mean yeah, everything yeah. turns out peachy keen. You no. know what I mean? Wow, that's yeah. a really good. You had point. doubting Thomas, who they're like, Jesus is alive, and by word of mouth, he was like, mm, "Well, I'll believe it when I, I can see it, see it and yeah. touch it." Mm-hmm. And Jesus was not like, "What do you? What do you like? Get out of here!" Yeah. You know. And fun he, fact, I did hear this the other day we always assume that he did get to put his hands in Jesus' scars, but I don't think it actually explicitly says that. It Jesus comes in and he sees Jesus, but then he falls and he says, my God, my Lord. So what am I trying to say? I guess he still experienced Jesus. He did have evidence, and, and Jesus does say, blessed are those who don't see. Mm-hmm. But I don't it, know. I, I heard that the other day. But I think he does invite him to. He's like, hey, come no, put no, your yeah, hands on Maybe you're right. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, yeah. He, says, he hey, does invite come, him to. Like, put your okay, hand on my right. Side. Like, like, okay, so come. let's solidify your faith yeah, yeah, yeah. here that I'm real. He doesn't, right. He doesn't shy away from that. And I think that he that's, does, the, he does say, that's yeah. the reality, uh, at least for us when we do our, you know, doubt series in the youth group. That's the reality I want kids to walk away with, man. Like, Jesus is like, yeah, man, come on. Like, like. And, and like even to Peter walking on water, Jesus is that you out there? Yeah, man, come on out. Like it, Jesus is like a he embraces that 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 tension because in my mind I think those to me are here's the here's the 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 in my opinion my perspective on it the doubts and the questions the unknown the mystery that is where some of the most powerful encounters with Jesus are, and I think if if a church is keeping people from entering into that space, you're actually robbing God of an opportunity to mm. show the depth and the breadth of who he is. So that's problematic, I that's think, really you know, if you're doing that. Like, so as a church, it's important. Yeah, let's step into the unknown. I don't have an answer for it. Well, guess what? You're not God, so you don't necessarily need to have an answer for it, but you can allow God to be the one to, 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 to answer that person in that moment, maybe just show up for that person in that moment, maybe ask a different question than the question they're asking to take the conversation in a different direction. It's, it's just God can be God in those moments if we, you know, I'm saying we like as a global church aren't trying to white knuckle all of these things to try to get people to manipulate people into doing what we want them to do. Like, I don't know, my opinion. And and since we're Pentecostals and we're to- Holy Spirit and all that, consider the fact that Peter, who absolutely denied Jesus out of a moment of fear, consider Thomas, who doubted that Jesus was risen. And both of them were baptized in the Holy Spirit in that very first baptism of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They weren't rejected. They weren't cast aside. So for us to think, well, you're asking these questions, apparently God is not the God of your heart. I, I think scripture shows differently that sometimes asking those questions are actually things that that brought them closer to God. And how many times, when you think about this too, Jesus did somebody say they wanted to follow Jesus and he'd kind of be like, yeah, are you sure about that? Like the birds have nests, the foxes have holes, but the son of man doesn't have anywhere mm-hmm. to lay his head. So you sure you want to follow me? And even, um, I had heard a message one time about in Luke five, when he calls Peter in Mark's gospel, it's always, Oh, immediately they left their nets and they followed him. Follow me. Okay. No idea who he is, but Luke five gives you some more context of that. So this is not in scripture. Most likely, Peter probably already heard about Jesus, but let's say he didn't. Um, in the story, Jesus was preaching for a while. Then he asked Peter, can I get into your boat? 
and continue to preach. And Peter's like, sure, that's fine. Then when he's done, he's like, hey, did you catch any fish? No, throw it on the other side. Well, just because you told me to do it, I'll try it, Jesus. And he does, catches a fish. And then he goes, Peter, I'll make you a fisherman. Follow me. And Peter says, yes. And all that to say that it's not a blind faith that Peter has when Jesus invites him to faith. And so, again, for all of us, um, it's okay to have those questions. And it's okay to, to think about it. If you're going through a process of this deconstruction or whatever, Jesus is 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 asking you to think about you know your faith in him. There's a Christian author named Bobby Conway. Now I haven't read necessarily the book here that this quote is taken from, but I think it's a pretty a pretty good concept. Some of his stuff. Concept. And he says that basically doubting is like bidirectional. In other words, you can doubt towards God or you can doubt away from God. And if you're doubting towards God, in other words, I'm not sure about these things. God help me to find the answers to these. Or you can be and, and, and that's doubting towards God. Or you can doubt in such a way to be like, I'm not sure about these things, so I'm going to go look for answers elsewhere. Yeah. You know, and that's doubting away from God. So so doubt isn't necessarily mean that you're moving away from God. It can be something that actually points you closer to God because now you're searching for, well, what does God think about these things? What is God's answers for these things instead of what's the popular opinion about these things? And, and I, I would say, important. just as a youth pastor, I would say, Doubting away from God isn't necessarily a bad thing. And I use and I say that with this type of context in mind. I have oftentimes parents will say, can you talk to so and so about this, this and this and this and this? They're just not listening to me. And so their kids are doubting away from them and will find themselves sometimes talking to me only to find out that I'm going to say similar things to what their parents have already said. Yeah, And so then they say, oh, I guess that's true. And they just needed maybe somebody, not mom, to say this, this, and this for them to come to a realization within themselves that, yeah, this is what I want. And so you can, I think you can doubt away from God in the idea that, you know, I want to be careful how I say this because I don't want people to come after me here. I have a way of saying. But, you you know, like you can doubt away from God you can doubt away from God, but when you're confronted with the truth, you know, and if it, if the truth is very much similar to what God is saying or has said, maybe the response is to receive that, uh, you know, like, yeah. if I, that makes sense. And I think the point of that quote was more about your openness to search for what was true and not necessarily like an idea of I have these doubts, so therefore I'm going to throw God completely out of the thing and right. not even listen to. That's what I was going to add. If you're seeking what's true, whatever direction you feel your doubt is taking you, you'll end up finding Jesus and finding God. That's what Jesus says about himself. If you're seeking excuses, if you, I know people who they just think it's more fun to just ask questions and they just want to stay in that world. Mm-hmm. But dude, but think about it. Like, what do you think happens after you die? I think I shared that story. Like, and, well, whatever. I don't want to get sidetracked. But like, what what do you think? But I, sometimes I just wonder. Like, me too. Yeah. I, so I wonder if we can find out about that. But some people, you just they don't care about what's true. They just want to ask questions or again mm-hmm. just find excuses. But if you're looking for what's true, even in your doubts, you know, I think you'll find Jesus. You'll have a stronger faith. <clears throat> you know, the last thing I want to add to this portion, I was going to ask, but I'll just say. 
you know, you're not more spiritual for asking these kinds of questions and you're not less spiritual for mm-hmm. asking them. Mm-hmm. You're not more spiritual for not asking these questions. You're not less spiritual for not asking. Because the way I feel, I've had these questions my whole life. I've listed some examples here, like who wrote the Bible? It's God's love letter. You know, science and faith. Yeah, like, well, I don't believe that. I would, I'm like, my biology teacher knows what she's talking about. Like, who are you telling me the Bible's not real? Oh, it's because the Bible says so, or people talk about feeling God. I'm not sure if I felt God. Those are those are things I felt my whole life. So sometimes I think to myself, how can you not ask those questions? But you know what? If you're somebody or if you're listening and those questions have never bothered you, what I somebody like me has to be like, well, I'm not more spiritual because I think I have these deeper questions that in like that's not true either. So you're not more or less spiritual for asking or not asking. It just has to be, we have to create a place where you can ask. And as someone who grew up in the church, I just want to throw out there too, that sometimes there's a greater challenge in having grown up in the church to be able to grab onto your faith because you never lived. uh, Like, like sometimes we hear the testimony of the person who, who was an alcoholic and he comes to Jesus, never wants alcohol again. Like our lives are very different than that if we've grown up in the church, generally speaking. You know, you might have dabbled in this and that and there, but generally speaking, like, I've never really walked in stuff that was crushing. <laughs> right. Stuff that was, like, horrible, horrible sin. And so, so I've always grown up knowing and being taught this is what's true. This is, you know, this is what Scripture says. And so as I've grown... I've had to wrestle with things differently than someone who's coming from no faith mm-hmm. who has come to faith. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had to wrestle through, well, why do we believe that? Is this just what my parents say? Is this like, is this faith my own faith? And so maybe you're someone who's grown up in the church and you're having these doubts. Like, I think that's normal for people who have grown up in the church to have to wrestle through those things and to move from just being like, this is what I've been taught to this is what I really believe. And so I just, I kind of want to throw that in there because I think it is maybe a different step. And if you've not grown up in the church and you see someone who's grown up in the church wrestling with that, that doesn't mean uh, like you can look at it and be like, well, I don't understand you've grown up in the church. How can you think that? You know what I mean? There is a process that if you've grown up in the church, you have to wrestle with these things to make them your own to be your own experience and not just an experience that's been taught to you. Right. There's right. There's nuance here that needs to be explored, should be explored. It's, you know, I think that that um, reveals kind of the mosaic and the beauty of faith and the the mosaic and the beauty of the body of Christ. Um, And so, you know, for some people who are going through the deconstruction process, maybe like you, you live in that space, um, you know, I think that there is an opportunity, though, and I think, Pastor Matt, you've said this before, when you're talking about deconstructing a faith, the nuance allows for you to allow what is true to stand and be true. You know, like it yeah. does, like you you can you can say, oh, I'm going through de- deconstruction of faith. But when you're when you hit that that truth, that pillar, that um, the framework of faith that has stood for millennia. It's okay to be like, oh, yeah, this is true. You know, it's okay yeah, to let that yeah. thing sit there for what it is. It, it's a pillar for a reason. I think sometimes, you know, some people want to kind of like 
throw it away and be like, nah, man, you see this? Well, well, no, this this truth is here for a reason. It stood for a millennia. And I think here's the other thing, too. Some people within the deconstruction kind of family community see themselves as like a modern day Martin Luther. And they're like, I want to nail the 95 thesis. 95? 99. 95. 95. The thesis. The, I want to nail the, the 95 thesis to, <laughs> to the front door of the church <laughs> and kind of spark this revolution. But the other side to that is Martin Luther spent time in the word being like, yeah, here's this and, and here's why, you know, really kind of like and allowed yeah. the truths to stand as truths and then brought these things. I think there are some people, I'm just being honest, who are like, yeah, I'm angry. So here's a, you know. Yeah. Um, here's a jab. And I don't yep. know if that also is the I don't believe that that's the proper response. Um, that's just my, you know. Yeah, no, I think you're right. All right, we're going to cut it right there. But we hope that you tune in next time for part two of our deconstruction conversation. Oh.